Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Sunday, January the 9th, 2022. It is currently 1136 a.m. Central Time, and you know where I'm at. I'm still here in the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church. I'm still here in, well, it's Victory Baptist Church. I'm in the sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church. I'm still here in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Bottom line is, I'm still here in the middle of an empty sanctuary in the middle of nowhere. That's where I am. But coming to you from the middle of nowhere, we're trying, well, to do something hopefully that is beneficial. And that is this week. It's all about the book of Obadiah. That is our text The book of Obadiah is our text for this week's Bible study exercise. We have done a a kind of a a very simple introduction, giving everyone some basic assignments, which was read, pick a key verse, outline. Then we did a kind of a, a, a first part of an overview of the book. We didn't make it too far. We talked a little bit about the author. Well, we talked a little bit about the size of the book being so small, but it's still God's word. We did a little bit about the author. There's like, what, 13 people named Obadiah, but uh, but the one, the Obadiah here has no connection with the other 12. Uh, we talked about, we really don't know anything about Obadiah. We don't really have any, there's no dating. There's really very little that we know, but we do know this, all right? Let me go back to Obadiah chapter one. I'm in Romans. And the reason I'm in Romans is because, well, I, I realized, or I, or I was informed of a mistake I was making. I kept saying Romans eight when I should have been saying Romans nine, uh, I will fix that in just a minute. Um, and let me find here the book of Obadiah. The book of Obadiah. Give me one second. Here we are. The book of Obadiah. All right. We. I, I think the key verse is, and I, no one has emailed me to say they disagree yet. No one has emailed me their, their, their argument for a different verse, but I think Obadiah 1 is the key verse. The vision of Obadiah, the... Thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord and an ambassador is sent among the heathen. Arise ye ye, and let us rise up against her in battle. All right. So there's a lot going on in verse one. But the reason I think verse one is such a key is because it says it's a vision of Obadiah and it is concerning Edom. This is God's word concerning Edom. Edom. So I think that is the key verse. So what what did we do in our last study? What we did in our last study is we spent the time, in a sense, tracing the history of the conflict between Edom and Israel. When we think of Edom and Israel, it is a history of conflict going all the way. In fact, remember this very important thing. Judgment against Edom is mentioned in more Old Testament books than it is against any other foreign nation. And I gave you many references of that, okay? So what did they do? What what did they do for so much judgment to be pronounced against them? And it basically goes down to towards their uh, how they looked down and hated the chosen people of God. And this animosity can be traced all the way back to Genesis 25, 22 through 26, where we find Jacob and Esau in the womb is really where the animosity begins and it goes through their entire life. This animosity goes from brothers to nations, then the nations, 
We see that uh, when Moses and Israel were asking permission to pass through Edom on their journey to the promised land, the king of Edom was like, nope, not coming through, not going to happen. And well, then everything, well, continues to, to, to be animosity and conflict between them. We see David defeating Edom, the Edomites in battle in 2 Samuel 8, 13 through 14. And this is where the dynamic really changed. Edom kind of goes from the older, more powerful brother to now weaker and, and kind of under, under the other. And then this, is, this, this rivalry is documented through the entire prophecy of Obadiah. The rivalry continues through the divided kingdom. We look through all the different things that happened. But one thing that we see happening over and over, Edom is being judged and defeated while Israel is being blessed and protected. Edom receives judgment. Israel receives chastisement in order to purify them. And then uh, all of God's promises to Israel are obviously still in play where Edom doesn't get that. And we see this. And this goes all the way down to, and this is very important, this, this, this the conflict between the Edomites and Israel really goes all the way till we get to Herod and since Jesus. Let, let, let me read this part again. Because someone mentioned it in the chat, they sent me an email apologizing because of the confusion. But actually, they should not apologize because I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give us. There's something very interesting about this that we we need to get the history of, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it in just a minute. All right, I didn't I didn't want to get into it during the last message, but I'm gonna make an exception here and just get this out of the way now, or we'll have to come to this this week. So I'm so glad the person mentioned it here. Here we go. He 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 said he made a mistake, but in a way, his mistake actually opened the door to a very important thing to consider. So here we go. So the Edomites were driven from their land in the late 6th or early 5th century. by the uh, And I was right, the Nabataeans, N-A-B-A-T-E-A-N-S. So it was by the Nabataeans. They settled in Idumea, I-D-U-E, if I can spell right, I-D-U-M-E-A, right? Idumea, which is in southern Judah. The Idumeans were eventually forced to become Jewish proselytes under John Hacranius, a Maccabean. King Herod the Great, who tried to murder the baby Jesus, was an Idumean. And Jesus' protection from Herod's murderous rampage against Bethlehem's infants, we have yet another illustration of grace towards Israel and judgment of Edom. Now, the in, in our last episode, in the live chat, someone was mentioning the Herod that Jesus stood before. Well, remember, if, if this is just very important. If you, if you take a kind of look at all the Herods that came forth in history, we have a total of, let me count them here, one... Two, three, four, five, six. Six Herods show up in history, all right? And we could go through each one, look at the time in which they reign and how they would have interacted or been involved with the time Jesus was alive, all right? You, you can go and look at all of them. But here is what is important, all right? When you, if you look up Herod in a Bible dictionary, just, just stay with me, listen to this. Herod. The name of several Roman rulers in the Palestinian region during Jesus' earthly ministry and the period shortly before his birth and after his resurrection. 
So let me read that again. The name of several Roman rulers in the Palestinian region during Jesus' earthly ministry and the period shortly before his birth and after his resurrection. So they cover really leading up to his birth, through the birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They, they, the Herods, in a sense, cover that period of time. That's very interesting to know. But listen to this. The Herodian dynasty, the whole dynasty, made its way into Palestine through, uh, at, uh, so, through someone named A-N-T-I-P-A-T-R. A-N-T-I-P-A-T-E-R, A-N-T-I-P-A-T-E-R, who was an Idumean by descent. So the whole dynasty comes from, uh, I think you could refer to his name as Antipater, an Idumean by descent. Now, who were the Idumeans? The Idumeans were of Edomite stock, as descendants of Esau. Antipater was installed as pure, pure um, uh, pro, procreator of Judea by Julius Caesar, the emperor of Rome in 47 BC. He appointed two of his sons ruling positions. One of those was Herod, known as Herod the Great, who was appointed governor of Judah. So in a sense, the entire Herodian dynasty made its way into Palestine through Antipater and Idumean by descent, and the Idumeans were Edomite stock as descendants of Esau. So in a sense, the whole, the whole thing really starts, goes back to Edom. The Idumeans, who are of Edomite stock, of Edomite descent. So the whole thing really connects back to Edom. That's just to me a fascinating part of history that you, you see this conflict really going all the way, even to right there where there's this back and forth and this conflict. The Edomites and Israel, the Edomites were constantly in conflict with Israel, with God's chosen people. In a sense, let's just say it this way. And maybe this is more accurate. The Edomites were in constant conflict with God because to stand against God's chosen people was to be a constant standing against God himself. And you can even see it showing up in, well, the Herods at different times. Is that, I think that's Somewhat fair and accurate within the uh, the the dynasty of the Herods. Does that make sense? Okay. In other words, that that, that their whole beginning is traced back to Antip- Antipater or Antip- uh, How I don't have his name. I closed my the dictionary. A N T I P A T E R. If I remember correctly, um, it all goes all the way back to there, which was from the Edomites and which were from Edom or which was from uh, the Idumeans, which were from the Edomites, which was from Edom, all right? So I think that that really adds to the whole thing, that this conflict, this conflict, this conflict, this conflict, this conflict. So, but this is very important. I think the way, the, the, if, if, if we can just focus on this history and go, look, they're in conflict, they're in conflict, they're in conflict. What I don't want you to forget is this, all right? It's Romans 9, 
And I um, apologize, I kept saying Romans 8, but we keep studying Romans 8, where we're studying election in Romans 8. But it's in Romans 9, where we read these words. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. The concept of election is really, I want you not to forget that concept when you're talking about this battle, because constantly... Edom and Israel are in conflict and God blesses Israel. He chose Israel. He promised Israel and Edom, he, he, in a sense, judges, he condemns and he defeats over and over. And then we see when we turn to Obadiah chapter one, when we, uh, when I say Obadiah chapter one, Obadiah verse one, let's go back to the uh, verse one more time. O- Obadiah verse one. Again, you, I, I keep reading it because I think it's the key verse. I think I, I'm, I'm trying to prove my point. Uh, what, if, I, if I keep saying it over and over, everyone's just going to agree with me. All right. Obadiah verse one, the vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. There we have it. That These are more words of judgment against Edom and against the Edomites. From the Edomites come the Idumeans. From the Idumeans arises the Herods. There, there you go. All right, the Herod dynasty, I should say. And I think that that's just a, an, an interesting development. Is That's where it really is traced back to. So, and in a sense, it's, in, in a sense, can you say, would it be accurate to say it's kind of all-encompassing in that sense? And the conflict there really is traced back to the conflict that started in the womb. Kind of just a a fascinating thing to to track down. Now, here's what our goal is in this hour, or however long it's going to take. Really, the goal is simply a possible outline, a possible outline. That's what we're going to go with. Now, Bible study exercise rules are in effect. When I do the Bible study exercise, remember, I do some teaching. Sometimes I do teaching like I know. Sometimes I do teaching like I don't know because I'm trying to get you involved. So the goal now is to start working on an outline. I wish we had everyone here in the sanctuary because guess what? I would have you guys work on an outline and then I would say, give me your outlines. And then I would be like, what are you doing? Okay, now because that's, yeah, that's what I always do. Because sometimes people do what in their outlines? They have interpretation. An outline is never, never, never to have an interpretation in it. An outline is simply an observational tool. So observation, observation. We simply want to get what's in Obadiah on paper in an outline form so that it reinforces our observation of the text because we can interpret that which we haven't observed. You have to do the observational part of Bible study, think of it this way. Bible study is observation. Interpretation is hermeneutics. Everybody thinks Bible study is interpretation, which they get it completely wrong. Hey, I went to a Bible study today and we, you know, if you were doing interpretation, you were trying to do hermeneutics, but you have to do Bible study of observation first before you can do the interpretation. All right. So we're going to work on some possible outlines. I'm going to give you one here. I, I really want to, oh, there's so much I want to do, but let's do this. Let's, let's think about this, all right? I'm going to, I'm going to break it down into verses, and then I'm going to give you a suggested title for each section, and you can tell me what, and, and, and this, I'm going to do this more as, here's my goal here. 
I don't want to give this as this is the outline. This is right. Because I, 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 I'm going to try to give this more as here's uh, some suggestions. And then you can use that suggestion to formulate, to consider, to criticize, to critique. So I'm on purpose Maybe do some things here that may not be even what I think, but I'm doing this to get you involved in thinking. I'm not, in other words, I'm not saying, hey, just sit there and just, you know, just pay attention. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is sit there and listen critically, and then I want you to think about it, and we'll see what we, if we agree or disagree with this as, the, as we move forward this week in the study of Obadiah. All right, here we go. I want a, a suggested way of breaking down the verses. Number one in your outline would be verses one through nine. Number two would be 10 through 14. And verses 15 through 21 would be number three. So number one would be verses one through nine. Number two would be 10 through 14. And number three would be 15 through 21. All right. Now let's do this. All right. Obadiah verse one, the vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord and an ambassador is sent against the heathen. Arise ye and let us rise up against her in battle. Well, obviously, you you know, verse one would be the starting point of your first section of your outline, right? That's not hard to figure out, right? Okay, yes, that's a given. Where does my outline start? Verse one is a pretty good clue. Okay, right, right. So everybody got that? Now, the question is, should we end this first section in verse 9, or should we actually end it in verse 8? Let me read verse 8. Shall I not in that day, saith the Lord, even destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of the mount of Esau? Verse 9, and Thy might, thy and thy mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the Mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. It seems that verse nine goes with verse eight. It seems to me nine goes with eight. So should we? Should we end it in verse seven? So you see, this is where it gets interesting in trying to, to, to break it down. My, the Bible I have here, the Bible I use that has no notes, no anything, that's the kind of Bible I think you should use. Unfortunately, it does have these little breaking down segments. So this is what they do. A judgment on Edom, verses one through eight, and then verse nine, the dismay of Edom's mighty men. Verse 10, see, for thy violence against thy brother, it it just seems that goes with verse nine. Verse nine seems to go with verse eight. Could we end it in verse seven? So should we say that first one would be verses one through seven, and then the second section start in verse eight? Some would argue verse one through nine. Do we go verse one through eight? Or verse one through seven. What, what do you think? And, and, and you don't have to answer right now in chat. I'm, I'm doing this because I want everyone thinking about it. Where should we stop that first section? 
Now, I don't have, uh, let me see here. I'm going to do this really quick. See, this would be easier if I'm at the pulpit because I could just have the book open, but that's okay. I'm going to open up the Bible dictionary really quick here. I'm all the way back in the book of Numbers. That doesn't help me here. Where is Obadiah? All right, guess what? The Bible dictionary does the same thing. Verses one through nine. They have verses one through nine. I, I don't... Oh, maybe, uh, I don't know. Okay, so is it verse one through seven, verses one through eight, or verse one through nine? Where do you think the first section should end? Where do you think the first section should should end? The, the way it's typically viewed is that verses one through nine contain con, it contains a prediction, a prediction of judgment on Edom. All right. In other words, verses one through nine, this is the way is a prediction of judgment on Edom. And it's and, and really it's about what will happen. It's about what will happen. All right. So that's that's why they so people feel that verses one through nine is the prediction part. Okay. So we'll call verses one through, you can put a question mark, seven, eight, or nine. It's a, I'm going to go with, it is a prediction of of judgment on Edom. I'm going to do it that way. I had it written differently, but I like the way the Bible dictionary does there. It is a prediction of judgment on Edom. Simply a prediction. And I think it's, it's, it's the text, I mean, I think that's really what you're going to find there. The question is, where, where does the prediction stop, <laughs> right? So verse 1 through 7, 8, or 9, you do you determine, all right? Now, verses 10 through 14, almost everyone agrees it's 10 through 14. Uh, this would be the reason, the reason for the judgment, Verses 10 through 14 would be the reason for the judgment. All right, judgment is predicted, but why are they going to be judged? It seems to be, so you can think of it this way. Verses one through possibly nine is the prediction of judgment. Verses 10 through 14 is the reason for that judgment. It's more of a denunciation or an explanation. I got one, one book says it's an, it's a denunciation. I think it's an explanation. It's explaining the reason. Why are they going to be judged? We've got the prediction of the judgment. Why? All right. You, you, you can see if you agree with that. In fact, let's just read. If we go to verse 10, all right, uh, for thy violence against thy brother, Jacob, shame shall cover thee and thou shall be cut off forever. There, I think there's, I think that's probably why they stop it in verse nine is because verse 10 clearly starts giving the reason why. So I, I think we can say verses one through nine. All right, so let's do that. Verses one through nine is part one of our outline. And this is the prediction of judgment on Edom. Verses 10 through 14 is the reason. Let's see how verse 14 ends. How verse 14 ends. 
Neither shouldest thou have stood in the crossway to cut off those of his that did escape. Neither shouldest thou have delivered up those of his that did remain in the day of distress. Still giving reasons for their judgment. So 10 through 14, no question. No, so we're going to do this. Verses one through nine, I'm going to say is definite. It's, it's, it's definite. Uh, one through nine is the prediction of judgment on Edom. 10 through 14 is the reasons for judgment on Edom. And I think everyone can agree with that. I, I think that one through nine is a prediction. 10 through 14 is an explanation. I know I've got one book that says it's a denunciation. I think it's, a, it's an explanation. It's explaining the reason. All right, so then that leaves us with verse 15 to 21. Let's go to Obadiah verse 15. Now, this is where everything seems to change dramatically. I think, I think this is, e- it's easy to get the, fir- the last section. To me, the last section is easy because look what happens in verse 15. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen, as thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall, shall return upon thine own head. It feels verse 15 jumps to something bigger, something else. Like it's about Edom. Hey, here's the prediction of judgment coming upon them. Here's the reason. And now it's about all the heathen and the day of the Lord. What, what is going on here? All right. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't like what the, um, I don't like what the Bible dictionary does here at all. The Bible dictionary does weird things here. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say that now there's debate here. That's why I'm pausing here. There is debate. This is the way. Some breakdown verses 15 through 18 as one section, and then 19 through 21 as a separate section. We remember we grouped ours one through nine, which we, we finally agreed on, or at least I agreed my, with myself. 10 through 14, everyone agrees on that. And then one, some say 15 through 21 should be all grouped together. Others say it should be broken down. Like my Bible breaks down 15 to 18 as one thing and 19 to 21 as a separate thing. What, what should we do here? What should we do here? Well, let's read, let's read 15 through 18 and just see, all right? So for me, for the day of the Lord is near upon all the heathen. That to me just jumps out as like, wait, something, the day of the Lord, what is that referencing? What are, we, what are we talking about there? Upon all the heathen seeming to be going beyond just Edom. All right, that, that gets me thinking, did it just move to something bigger? All right, let, let's continue. As thou, uh, so, as thou hast done, it shall be done unto thee. Thy reward shall, shall re- return upon thine own head. For as you have drunk upon my holy mountain, so shall all the heathen drink continually. Yea, they shall drink and they shall swallow down and they shall be as though that had not been. But upon Mount Zion 
shall on, uh, 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 but upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness and the house of Jacob shall possess their possessions and the house of Jacob shall be a fire and the house of Joseph a flame and the house of Esau for stubble and they shall kindle in them and devour them and there shall not be any remaining of the house of Esau for the Lord hath spoken it. Now, it, it, it's like, does it, does it jump to something else? Or is it just using, still talking about Edom and Esau, the Edomites, Esau. The, uh, the Bible dictionary says the results of judgment of Edom is verses 15 and 16, that this is the results. And then they break 17 down. There's all kinds of disagreements on what to do here. Right, I'm going to say, um, if you're going to break it down, you'd have to break it down 15 through 18. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and do verse 19. I, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to disagree with the Bible dictionary here. And they of the south shall possess the mount of Esau, and they of the plain the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And the captivity of the host of the children of Israel shall possess uh, of the Canaanites, even unto uh, Zarephath, and the captivity of Jerusalem, which is Sepharad, shall possess the cities of the south. And saviors shall come up on Mount Zion to judge the Mount of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. That, that's going into who knows. That's going into, I, we've got a lot to figure out there. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it simple. I'm going to say 15 to 21 is to be all grouped together. And I'm going to call it the day of the Lord. I'm going to call it the day. I think all of that somehow encompasses the day of the Lord. That is what I'm going to do. All right. So I'm going to say verses one through nine is the prediction. It is prediction. It is, it's predicting what will happen against Edom, predicting judgment against Edom. I think verses 10 through 14 is the reason for the judgment. And it is, it is an explanation. Verses one through nine is a prediction. Verses 10 through 14 is an explanation. And I believe verses 15 through 21 if we have prediction, if we have explanation, let's call 15 through 20, 21. We'll call it the day of the Lord. It's the conclusion. It's the, I think one source says consummation. Uh, is it, uh, we'll call it the conclusion. It is, it's the, it's the climax of this entire prophecy of judgment. It is the conclusion of it. I think that's, that's, that's a way of doing that. So verses one through nine, prediction of judgment on Edom. It is prediction. Verses 10 through 14, it's the reason for the judgment of, on Edom, and it is a uh, explanation. Verses 15 through 21, I'm going to call it the day of the Lord. I guess you could call it Edom and the day of the Lord. How did the Edomites fit into the day of the Lord? Like maybe, I, I, just, I just call it the day of the Lord because of verse 15. 
And this will be uh, the consummation, the, the conclusion of everything here. All right. Um, you can think of it this way. Verses one through nine. What will happen? Verses 10 through 14. Why it will happen. And verses 15 through 21 is the dramatic conclusion of what will happen. Maybe, possibly. All right. The theme of the whole book is judgment of Edom. The theme of the whole book is judgment of Edom. I I still think the I know everyone disagrees here. I I, I no one agree, and I, I don't have one book here who agrees with me. I think the key verse is verse one. I'm still convinced of that. I'm still convinced of it. I know not every book around me says that I'm wrong, but I'm going to tell them that they're all wrong. Okay, I'm going to tell them that they're all wrong. All right. Uh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, that's not my outline. That That's my outline. I'm sticking with mine. You may disagree with me and you have every right to be wrong. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. All right. So here we go. All right. In summary. So we, we found out that the entire Herod dynasty really starts with the Adumians who basically come from the Edomites, right? All right we got, we got all of that. Okay. We realized that I think the whole way to understand all of this about the Edomites and the conflict with Israel is the doctrine of election really put forth in Romans 9. The doctrine of election is Romans 8 as well, but Jacob and Esau specifically is mentioned in chapter 9 of Romans. We we trace the conflict between Edom and Israel throughout a good portion of the Old Testament, gave you plenty of scriptures to look at, and then we tried to summarize or organize the book in some kind of way that you can observe what's there in a very simple way. And I think what we have found is that we can break the book down, verses 1 through 9, prediction of judgment upon Edom. It is prediction. It's going to describe what will happen. Verses 10 through 14 is the reason for judgment upon Edom. And we see that in verses 10 through 14. It's an explanation And it describes why it will happen. Verses 15 through 21 describes the day of the Lord. And it is really the conclusion. It explains, in a sense, uh, it concludes this judgment. It concludes the judgment. It's the conclusion of what will happen. It describes the dramatic conclusion of what will happen. All right. And I'll think that will conclude our outline. I wanted to do a survey. Um, Okay. Someone just suggested verses 15, 16, result for Edom, 17 through 21, result for Israel, Edom destroyed, Israel restored. Oh, that's, that's pretty good. I, 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 and you could do it that way. You could definitely do it that way. I will just throw this out there. Is it now? Could those be subpoints? Right? We didn't really add. I didn't add any subpoints to my outline. Right? So, like, if I if I gave subpoints, I would go. You know, uh, verses one through nine, prediction of Edom's 
of judgment upon Israel and then have some sub points. Uh, verses 10 through 14, reasons for the judgment. And my sub points would list out each reason. The day of the Lord, sub points would be, the day of the Lord involves the uh, dest- uh, Edom being destroyed and Israel being restored. And then I could break it down 15 through 16. The, the, what will be the result of the day of the Lord? Edom will be de- destroyed. What will be the result of the day of the Lord for Israel? They will be restored. Could they not be subpoints, Or you could just break it down even more if you want. It's all how you want to do so. I grouped them together in three major points, but each major point could have subpoints. I didn't I didn't mention the subpoints, but or you could break it down that way. That's a good suggestion. That is a good suggestion. Um, and that really makes sense. And I like the fact that they said Israel restored. Now that's a little bit of an interpretation. It's a little bit of an interpretation, but I um but I do I, I do like the fact that it's acknowledging that. Okay. So you you could argue Edom destroyed. That seems accurate. I don't think there's any question there. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't I don't think there's any way to get around that. Um, I think the text actually even uses that word. Um, if I'm lo- I'm looking here quickly, um, see, yeah, e- Esau for stubble. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it makes it very clear going to be destroyed. Now you could argue, does it, does it, because, and the reason I, I'm very hesitant to say Israel restored in my outline, not saying I disagree because that a lot of people would say that's not what those verses actually teach. All right. So then that gets into an interpretation. Uh, I would say use the language that describes exactly what happened. So Edom destroyed, I think you can see that directly from the words of the text. I think that's an observation. Israel restored, I think you would have to, what language is you there? What could you say about Israel based off the language used in the text? So you don't want it to be an interpretation, right? Because many believe that there is no Remember, just remember, there's an entire school of eschatology out there who does not believe Israel will be restored. I disagree with that, but they believe that. So for your outline, you just want to make sure that it's observation. And then when you start teaching and working through the book, then we can bring in the interpretation, if that makes sense. All right. Now, this this is very, very important. We learned this in Micah. We learned this in Isaiah. And once again, we're going to have to learn this in Obadiah, all right? This is just so important whenever you're studying anything of the major or minor prophets in the Old Testament. Um, okay, it's how the Philomet Bible divides it. Okay, well, um, the Philomet Bible is offering a little bit of interpretation in my in my estimation, a little bit. The, their division is great. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with their division. I don't like the, the titles that they give for that. Um, that the uh, the idea of Israel being restored, but okay, that that's kind of the source of where that comes from. The filament Bible. If you don't know what the filament Bible is, uh, the filament Bible, you um, it's really cool. It comes. You buy the Bible. It has no notes in it, but it, uh, you download an app and you open up your camera to your phone, and on each page of the Bible, there's a little symbol. You just point your camera. Uh, of your phone or tablet to that little symbol, and it opens up all of these notes, that outlines, notes, all the just all kinds of content. It's really cool. It's called the Filament Bible, um, and uh, it's really. I did an entire review of it, and uh, it's really cool. So 
that someone is referencing uh, the filament Bible there. All right, so here's what I would say. This is very important. We learned this in Isaiah. We learned this in Micah, and we're going we're gonna to once again be confronted with this in Obadiah. If you pick up a Matthew Henry commentary or any commentary written from an all-mill position, this is what they love to do. Edom is real. Destruction upon Edom is real. Literal Edom, literal destruction, literal judgment. If it in any way hints that Israel is going to find some great restoration and some great blessing and Jesus is going to be ruling in Jerusalem or any, they're going to be like, no, 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 not literal Israel, not literal reigning, not literal Jerusalem. That's the church. That's the, it's funny. Edom is literal, but Israel won't be literal. <laughs> it's, it is the most maddening hermeneutic that you can come across. It's like, Edom is real. You're like, oh, it's just like we saw that in Micah 5 when we reviewed that sermon. The Assyrians, real Assyrians, really come. Now, uh, we, we think they, they have the wrong time frame. It was actually the Babylonians. But it would be real Babylonians, real Babylonians, real Assyrians, until later on in the very same chapter. Oh, real Bethlehem, real baby born. And then all of a sudden, when you get to possibly anything, nope, 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 nope. That can't happen. That's not future because it's going to be spiritual because it's never happened yet. And you're like, wait a minute. Why can you not bring yourself to say God still has a plan Stills involves this. Why can't, why, I don't understand why people are like, no, no, can't do it. No, 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 no. Nothing good for Israel. Nothing good for Israel. It's all for us. It's all for us. It's all for us. And, well, to make it for us, you have to spiritualize it. And, and again, I would just, it's worth downloading, owning a Matthew Henry commentary simply for the purpose of seeing that that happened for yourself. I, again, I, you, everyone should take a Matthew Henry commentary and just spend the day reading his commentaries on the major and minor prophets and just see how many times it's, it's the church, the church, the church, the church, the church, the church, the church. And you're like, what in the world are you talking about? That's not really Israel. That's the church. That's not really going to happen. It's going to happen spiritually. And at the very same time, it'll be like two verses before, that was really Judah. They were really judged. They went into real captivity. Jesus will really be born of a virgin. Jesus will really be born in Bethlehem. It's like, how can you go from literal to spiritual just whenever you want? I guarantee you we may come into that same conflict in Obadiah when we get to the end here. And we're like, wait a minute. This seeming to say, what's going to happen here with Israel? Does this seem to be talking about some restoration of Israel? That they're going to be ruling? They're going to be reigning? Well, when did they ever rule reign? What, what time frame is this referring to? Remember, if this is this referring to, remember, the time frame is very difficult here to establish. This is going to be one of the difficulties of Obadiah. If this is referring to, hey, this is what's going to happen to Edom after Judah comes back from Babylonian captivity. Well, did it happen? His did it happen in history? Can we look back and go, well, after they came out of Babylonian captivity, the Edomites were destroyed. And God ruled and reigned. If you say, "Well, no, I don't, I don't," what, what, what did, what did that happen? Did that not happen? Right. Well, if it didn't, well, then where, where, how will this be fulfilled? I'm going to look up really quick, just because now I'm very curious. 
I'm going to look here. Uh, the Edomites. All right, let's see here. Um, Edom and Israel after Kadesh Barnea, from the conquest until the division, after the division, uh, the place of the Nabataeans. All right. Um, so after the downfall of Judah in 586 BC, Edom rejoiced. Now, this would give us a time. Remember, we said some say there's no time frame, and I kept indicating that there could possibly be one. The Bible dictionary indicates that it's after the downfall of Judah in 586 BC that Edom rejoiced, and they put Psalm 137.7 as the proof text. Well, if, if, it, if Obadiah is written to, in a sense, bring judgment upon Edom for them rejoicing at Judah's downfall, and that's referring to their, their downfall uh, in 586 BC, that's the Babel, I think that's the Babylonian captivity. Well, then we have a time frame for this, all right? The Edomites uh, settled in southern Judah as far north as Hebron. Nabataeans occupied old Edom beginning in the third century BC, continuing their civilization well into the first century AD. Judas Maccabus uh, subdued the Edomites and John Hucranius forced them to be circumcised and then made them a part of the Jewish people. The Herod family of the New Testament times was of Adumian Edomite stock. Knowledge of the Edomites comes mainly from the Bible, archaeology, excavations of their ancient cities, and references to Edom in Egyptian, Assyrian, and Babylonian sources. So that's the best we can get from there. Now, here's what typically happens is if we can't find, well, when were when was this judgment finally brought on upon them? Is it, it sounds like if if we say they're going to be totally destroyed, would that be during the Maccabean period? Maccabe, Maccabeus would that would that be where we find the fulfillment of this? Or if there if some of that language seems to describe something that's never happened historically. We have to look to the future. And here's immediately what everyone will do. Well, wait a minute. The Edomites are gone. Therefore, it's never happened. Remember, that's what we saw in Micah 5. Well, it, that never happened to the Assyrians since it never happened. Well, it's not, it can't happen literally. It's got to be figurative. Just remember the dangers of doing that. When, when Isaiah first gave the prophecy of a virgin having a child, well, it never happened. And the first, see, that's 700 something. So 100 years, never happened. 200 years, never happened. 300 years, never happened. 400 years, it never happened. Five, so, well, it's not, it hasn't happened literally, so it has to be figurative. No, just because we don't see how it could play out, I don't understand how it would play out. If it has to be future, my job is just to say, well, here's the prophecy. It never happened. If I can't find it historically happening the way it's described, then either I have to say it never happened and I don't know what that means for the future or it has to have some kind of future fulfillment and I don't know how it will ever work out. That, that was the whole problem in the early church. Well, any of these prophecies for Israel can't be about Israel. They don't exist. Well, guess what? They came back into existence. So, so you should have never doubted it. I don't know how it works when if, if, if this judgment on the Edomites on Edom that's described at the end of the book, if it hasn't happened historically, 
I don't know what to make of that other than, well, then it's got to have some future, and I don't know how it will work out, but I know God can work it out. All right. I'm going to stop right there because I've been talking now for a very long time, and my throat is now done. All right. My voice is finished. All right. I hope that was beneficial. Um, I hope that was helpful. Someone did send an email. Let me see here. And I am very appreciative of this. Um, I don't know who sent this, but whoever sent this, uh, it says this. It says, wow, this last week has been exceptional. Micah, Obadiah, uh, it says, thank you and thank the Lord for your willingness to do such amazing study. I'm very blessed and all who listen are so blessed that you have been made available to us. Thank you for your hard work. Well, thanks for listening. I do appreciate that encouragement because it is hard work. Working on Micah, man, my brain still hurts. And now trying to figure out Obadiah. I'm already looking at some of this. I mean, if you can't already figure out the challenges we're going to have, I mean, just, I know I said I was going to stop, but okay, but now I have to do this. Just to show you, I I almost want to give you some homework, but I won't. Just look at this. The vision of Obadiah, thus saith the Lord God concerning Edom. We have heard a rumor from the Lord. We've heard a rumor from the Lord? Okay, what does that mean? An ambassador is sent among the heathen. What what ambassador was sent among the heathen? Arise ye, let us rise up against her in battle. Right? Who's rising up against her? And who's rising up against Edom in battle? Who's the ambassador? What is going on? And then when you just get to the end of the book, uh, and then you have all of these people possessing Mount of Esau and the plain of the Philistines, and they shall possess the fields of Ephraim and the fields of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead, and the captivity of this host of the children of Israel shall possess that of the Canaanites, even unto uh, Zarephath, and the captivity of Jerusalem. I mean, what and, and who are the saviors who will come up on the mountain, Zion, to judge Mount Esau and the kingdom shall be the Lord's? Look, what in the world is going on with all of that? There, there's, there's going to be so much we're going to have to figure out, and I don't have any easy answers, but uh, we will do our best. So there's your outline, key verse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set up on the Bible memory app for verse one. That's what I'm going to do um, unless someone emails me shortly. Well, I'm not going to do it now. I'm going to go home and eat because I'm going to starving to death. But um, this afternoon or this evening or early tomorrow morning, I'll set up probably verse one as your memory verse. So unless someone convinces me that uh, I'm, I'm picking the wrong verse. All right, there you go. Plenty to work on. Just start reading, 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 reading Obadiah. Okay. I kind of gave you the outline. I think we finished the outline. Now you just start reading it, start working on it. All right. Start working on verse one. Just start work on verse one. There you go. All right, we'll stop right there. Everyone have a great day. God bless.